He's a man. <laughs> it's awesome, funny, random, doesn't make any sense, but it's good. Prepare yourself. Okay, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Binge Buster Show. I am super excited about this week's show as my good friend uh, and co-host, Chris Plano is going to be joining me here very shortly, and we are going to be breaking down Jim Crockett Promotions superstars on the Superstation. I'm uh, that, that that this this was like one of my favorite um, shows that that they done back in the '80s. It was kind of like pre Clash of Champions, um, which later morphed into Clash of Champions. It was like a free um, a free show that was like a big event. Uh, so right now, I want to bring in my co-host. Cohort, I'm talking about Mr. Chris Plano. Chris, how Tony, are you? Thank, oh my God, terrific, Tony. Thank you for inviting me to the Bench Buster Show for another week here. I love it here every week getting in with you, talking wrestling. I know we've talked some rock and roll and some other things, but super sta- superstars on the Superstation. We're going to take it back to February 86, the Omni in Atlanta. I'm, I'm so excited, right in the heart of Jim Crockett Promotions and the NWA territory. Yes, I am. I'm excited too, Chris. I mean, that, that was a, it was a really, a really cool, uh, time to be a wrestling fan. The eighties, I mean, from like 85 to like 88, Jim Crockett Promotions, they were on fire. Uh, so, uh, here just a little bit, we're going to be getting to, uh, our podcast, but Chris, what I like to talk about now, man, is, Tell us about your week. I mean, uh, North Carolina starting to open back up. We're, we're getting into phase two. Uh, so happy times, man, coming up, right? It, so, some great times. And, you know, uh, Governor Roy Cooper was on just a little while ago. We're going to go into phase two here, uh, 5 o'clock uh, this Friday, uh, May 22nd. And that's going to last approximately four or five, maybe even as long as six weeks. But, hey, Restaurants are opening back up, barber shops, salons, nail salons, malls, everything's up slowly. I think a lot of people are getting excited, and I know some people are pushing the envelope, but they're also talking maybe concerts and some other things too, but might be a little bit down the road. But yes, we are moving along in the COVID-19 pandemic and, and slowly opening up but also doing it safely and cautiously as well. Yeah, for, for, for sure. Uh, you know, whenever I, I heard the phase 10 or phase two was, was going in there, I was super excited about that. I couldn't believe, uh, so we're on a roll. Uh, but, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I wanted to say this and, you know, and I know a lot of our listeners are probably even outside of the state of North Carolina. I know our, our governor, Roy Cooper, and our um, health secretary, Dr. Mandy Cohen, they've been under a lot of pressure. But at the end of the day, I really think they've taken the right steps as a state, per se. Some states have been more aggressive in their opening up with the COVID-19 pandemic. I think with North Carolina just being so big of a state, when you look at it square footage by miles, both vertically and horizontally, they've made the right calls and you know we're a hundred counties 
deep here in this state. So it, it's a wide state and a lot of area to cover. So it's been a, a tough journey for them, but they've done a great job. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and the one thing I'm I'm excited about is I am waiting for that second round of stimulus checks to come, right, Chris? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hey, maybe we'll see that soon enough. But, uh, yeah, we've already seen the first round. But, hey, you know, yeah, hopefully we'll see something. Because, listen, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people, you know, hurting right now. I just saw on the news 36 million people unemployed, approaching 40 million. It's going to probably amass that. And, you know, we've got a lot of people unemployed here, right here in the Tar Heel state of North Carolina as, as well. And, you know, we got a feel for those people. And, you know, a lot of people are in some tough spots right now, a lot tougher than we maybe not can even imagine. So we got to keep them in our thoughts and our prayers and, and that we're going to come out of this stronger and better. And you know how the Carolinas are, that Carolina blue. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to come right out of it and, you know, be better than we were going into it. Yeah, that, that's for certain. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to, to see how things uh, pan out now as we start, you know, phase two and uh and and it's memorial day weekend coming up so uh i know everyone's gonna is excited about that uh and speaking of memorial day weekend fans uh, the podcast now i i have been running this binge buster show chris over a year now so i encourage my listeners if you haven't went and downloaded and subscribed to our to our um our youtube channel or our facebook page please go do that because that way you, you can stay on top of things and, and, and get an idea of what Chris and I are going to be talking about in the weeks to come. But today's podcast is on the superstars on the superstation. And when we come back, fans, we're going to have superstars on the superstation. Wrestling, bringing you great wrestling action, sanctioned by the NWA, National Wrestling Alliance. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the superstars on the Superstation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Binge Buster Show. Uh, as Chris Plano and I are about to break down the superstars on the Superstation, uh, that event took place. Uh, it, it actually originally was filmed uh, in advance at the Omni Atlanta um, on February the 2nd, 1986. It drew about 10,000 fans at the Omni. Um, they, they, uh, they actually filmed it on February the 2nd, and the show aired on WTBS on February the 7th, 1986. The, the show included some celebrities uh, like Willie Nelson and Major League Baseball pitcher Gaylord Perry, uh, they were they were interviewed during the broadcast. Uh, and then uh, the the actual premise behind the show was that fans could vote for four quote dream matches of their choice. So three of the bouts were dark matches that wasn't aired on television, but four matches were televised. Three of them. Uh, uh, actually were uh, were for the National Wrestling Alliance tel- uh, titles were defended and the titles were the World Tag Team titles the National title and the World Heavyweight title and right now Chris and I are going to break these matches down starting off we're going to be uh, talking about the dark matches first Chris 
some of the, the there, there was three dark matches uh, on this on this show. Uh, the first one uh, was Ron Bass uh, versus the Barbarian. They went to a draw. Then we had Baron von Raschke um, versus uh, the Italian Stallion. Uh, of course, Baron defeated the Italian Stallion. And then in a uh, disqualification match, uh, our good friend, handsome Jimmy, the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant, uh, was, uh, wrestled Arn Anderson. And, of course, Arn was disqualified, uh, making Jimmy Valiant the winner. Um but let's now, Chris. Let's talk about the matches that were televised on television, and um, you know, w- one of the, um, the 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 very first match uh, that was broadcast. And for me, Chris, this was the first time that I saw these two teams wrestle. And I'm talking about, uh, in my opinion, probably the greatest two tag teams ever to 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 be in the NWA, uh, the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express of Loverboy Dennis. Condry and beautiful Bobby Eaton. Um, this this was like their first television title uh, or their, their their first meeting on television. Uh, and of course, on in this match, you saw the Midnight Express become uh, the NWA World Tag Team Champions. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say what a hot match to open up this show on television. I mean, Tony. I mean, there's there's talent from top to bottom on this taping, but this could have been even main event material uh, if you're a tag team enthusiast at, at this point. Um, you know, Ricky Moore and Robert Gibson, the Midnight Express, Jim Cornette as a factor. I, I, I mean, what else? What else do you want? They wrestled. They wrestled 17 minutes in a classic match that really opened the show up, really hot, and even might have even have upstaged the show a little bit into the next match or two uh, after that, leading into the main event. Um, but I actually did read about this match. This was the match where uh, uh, Jim Cornette tried to crush Ricky Morton's throat a few weeks prior to this match. Yes. So this was kind of a little revenge for rock and roll a, a, as well, leading into into this match as well. Uh, you know, at the start of the new year. Yeah, definitely. And 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 I remember uh, leading up to this match, my dad would bring me to the Greensboro Coliseum, and during that time. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express were the world tag team champions, and I got to see them defend the belts against the Midnight, which ended in, in you know a disqualification. And like you said, like uh, I think it was a week or two weeks before this show aired, uh, Jim Cornette did um, drop Ricky Morton's throat over the tennis racket, uh, verse, and, and pretty much that's kind of what started their their feud. Although we know uh, now, we didn't know then because. We didn't have internet. We we, we didn't have. Uh, if you lived in the Carolinas, you didn't really have access to Mid South. So Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express feud had already been going on for a few years. But once it got to Jim Crockett Promotions, that now they're on a a literally a worldwide platform. So the world got to see how great these two tag teams were. And Chris, you know, I'm not saying it's because you know you and I know know a lot of these guys firsthand, but watching this show. Uh, Rock and Roll Midnight definitely th- their match stole the show uh, at this event, and oh, it did, and a great spot for the Midnight Express. I mean, you knew. Listen, I think every wrestling fan knew going into this, Jim Cornette's racket, one way or the other, was going to get involved in this match, <laughs> beginning in the middle of the end or anywhere in between. So, you know. <laughs> It's uh, it was inevitable, and and, and great express 
you know, walked out with the, with the NWA World Tag Team Championship and, and obviously kept that feud going on television even afterwards as well. So, I mean, great opening concept to really keep a storyline going even beyond this particular event. Yeah. And Chris, oh, I went back the other night and actually watched this show as, you know, as, as I was preparing for our podcast and, and I totally forgot about this, but Jim, I'm sorry, David Crockett used to really get into the matches when he was commentating. He was, he was more of a wrestling fan on commentary than he was mm-hmm. a common, you know, a, a commentator. Um, but he had a classic line, uh, during, during this match and, uh, man, I, I hear it all the time, you know, and when I heard it today, I totally forgot about it and I was popping for it. Um, but I love whenever, whenever, uh, uh, they're there at the end of the match, uh, the referee takes the bump, uh, all four men are in the ring. Rick and Robert hit both midnight express with the, uh, double drop kick. Bobby's out, you know, Bobby's down. Uh, Dennis Condry goes through the ropes to the floor. Uh, right. and, and they grab Jim Cornette and they pull him in the ring and, and now Ricky's going to get his revenge on Cornette and he pulls off, uh, Jim Cornette's belt. And as he's doing that, Jim, Cro- uh, David Crockett goes and says, Come on, whip him, whip him like a dog. <laughs> right. I, I love when he, when he said that, whip him like a dog. Yeah. And man, you know, as a fan, I'm, I'm like, Ricky's going to get him. And then when they, and then all of a sudden Dennis Condry sneaks in from behind and whacks Ricky in the back of the head with the tennis racket puts Bobby eating on top one, two, three, and off to the races. We go, um, for the next, you know, several months, beautiful Bobby, Liverboy Dennis, uh, are now the new world tag team champions. And it just added more fuel to the feud, uh, between rock and roll midnight. And, uh, man, I, I never get tired of watching those matches. And I tell everybody, uh, that, that asked me about, you know, being wrestlers and, and what to do. And I tell them, if if you want to be in a tag team, you need to go back and watch a lot of Rock and Roll Express versus Midnight Express matches. And yeah. you do that, man, you're going to be golden. And and I'll tell you a, a kind of a funny story. So probably around '97, um, you know, I was running my own company, and so I had I had a few guys working for me. Well, we had the opportunity to go work for another promoter, and so I told the guys, I said, okay, come down to my training center, and we'll have my. And back then, it was it was a, a VCR tape. I said, I'm going to have my, my television, my VCR. We're going to watch this match, and we're going to do this match when we go work for this promoter because it's going to blow everybody away because I'm sure everybody has forgot this. Right. So we watched the midnight rock and roll match, and at the beginning uh, of this of this match, they they have these they have a whole bunch of high spots that are look that are really cool. Mm-hmm. So we end up doing this match. Okay, not we, we didn't do the match, but I'm saying like like we uh, took some spots from this match and we done it at this show and sure. and chris when we got done with that this, this is our first time there uh, maybe a couple of the workers in the dressing room knew us but they didn't know us that well but a, a lot of them knew me and they they know i'm old school and when we came through the curtain to the dressing room almost every worker in that building was lined up at the door shaking our hand and saying that was the best tag team match i've ever seen and 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 here was a funny thing so we get there, the promoter, you know, they guys like the second or third match. The promoter goes, okay, you guys can go seven minutes. Well, my, my guys look at me and they go, Tony, our opening spot is more than seven minutes. I'm like, well, here, here, here's the thing, guys. He's either going to like us or he's going to fire us, but the fans are going to eat us up. So I, I know they're going to love this match. 
So we're right, in a, you already had all the spots. You had it yeah, already incorporated. Yeah, we, we already, yeah, we already knew what we was doing. And so as we're doing it, uh, now, now, you know, we're doing our spots and I'm not even looking over at the promoter. I'm just, I'm just doing it. And the crowd is going nuts, man. They're, they're popping for everything. And I look at the referee and I'm like, so ref, how much time we got? And the referee says, I quote, who cares? This is the best stuff I've seen up here in years. So keep going. And so we did. And we ended up doing like a 20 minute tag team match and blew the and roof. The promoter probably didn't say anything. Didn't say, well, he did. He said, he said, when are you guys coming back? Said, I said, okay, we'll be back next show, whatever. And then, right. uh, and then, and as we did that, the more the more tag team matches we done, we kept doing. You know, I, we 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 kept you know, taking stuff from rock and roll and midnight and doing it because mm-hmm. nobody was doing that stuff. Because during that time, everybody was all about this ECW stuff, all this hardcore right. stuff, and we're we're giving those fans there in Lenore, North Carolina, um, class want. classic '80s stuff, man. Th- Chris, th- 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 those fans were popping off of just arm arm bars. I mean, it was crazy. So, Tony, I totally believe it. I mean, yeah, I totally believe it. It you're, was insane. You're incorporating, mm-hmm. and and you're, that, you're somewhat somewhat psychologically playing with them because what they're seeing somewhat on television, now they're seeing it live in front of them. Yeah, but the fact the fact of the matter was, everybody had forgot it. Because nobody was doing right. old school type tag team matches anymore. Everybody was right. trying to, you know, hit hit each other with barbed wire baseball bats and fall right. through tables, and you know they were doing stuff that was happening on television, and we were right. doing stuff that happened on television twenty years ago that most people right. forgot. But those old school fans yeah. didn't forget, and they were they were loving Correct. it. Correct, and it, and it was great. Correct, and, and it was it was fresh to them at that point. Yes, yes, and and that that, that was again, the cool and thing. I remember this, and it's great stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's great stuff, and it's all about drawing that fan in to the match because they're buying into the storyline, whatever that storyline is in the ring, and it could be a myriad of things that are going on in the ring but or outside the ring, but as long as they're buying in on it, it's all that matters. That's exactly right. Now, uh, after after this match, you know, blew us all away, and now, you know, the, the, after watching this match, now we got new tag team champions. Uh, it takes us to our next match. Uh, which ended in a uh, disqualification. Uh, it was mm-hmm. the Russians, Ivan and Nikita Koloff, against the Road Warriors. Right. Uh, of course, Baron Von Rasky interferes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, actually, Baron and Crusher Khrushchev interfere. Uh, uh. And, get, of course, they get the Russians disqualified. But that keeps that few going because now nobody's really getting beat. Um, so it was, it, it was good drama. Uh, the next match took us to our second title defense on the Superstars on Superstation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes was the current national heavyweight champion, um, and he's defending against Tully Blanchard. They they went to a 20-minute uh, time limit draw, uh, but after the match, uh, Rhodes argued uh, with Blanchard's manager, J.J. Dillon, which allowed Blanchard to attack Dusty from behind Attack mm-hmm. Dusty, uh, despite not winning the belt, Blanchard still was able to, you know, beat up Dusty and steal the belt, take the belt with him, which kept adding to the feud. And when I saw that happen, I said, "Okay, I know what's going to happen here. Tully's going to be the next national heavyweight champion." Um, and uh, and I think that's pretty much what happened after that. I think he he won the belt from Dusty, and um, and then that that took him into the Great American Bash. 86 where he had that long feud with um with ron garvin a lot of tape fist matches right. and stuff 
Um, so, but but you know, talking about the national heavyweight championship, besides the NWA World TV title, that national title was probably my second favorite uh, championship belt that uh, as far as the uh, design goes that I liked. But if you go back and look at them, they're both the same design. One's red, one one's red and silver. The other one's right. gold and silver, but it had the you know basically the 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 main plate was the same was the same design. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if J Mark, and I'm sorry, not J Mark, Reggie Parks, he's the one that made the belts. Uh, and and I think back then, back in those days, I don't think the the promoters had an idea. You know, they didn't call up there and say, "Hey, I want a belt made like this." I think they just called up there and said, "Hey, make me right. a belt that says National Champion." Maybe a belt says TV, and and maybe Reggie Parks. Uh, I keep saying, yeah. So Reggie was making so many belts back then. He, it was probably hard for him to remember which belt he which, which one he sent. Yeah, because uh, I know at one time in '85, they had um, the WWF World Title Belt looked like the National Title Belt, and so you had three belts that were identical. And then if you go back and look um, and um, world class championship wrestling they had their american heavyweight championship belt and it was the same design so actually there was actually that i know of there were four um different promotions that had the same design belt at the same time which i thought was kind of wow. cool which i thought was kind of cool um but but i love that belt it's just a beautiful beautiful design belt but um you know it was really and, cool and and, and hats off to the NWA. They promoted that belt heavily both on television and in the house shows, mm-hmm. you know, as well, in addition to the other titles they had. And it was just another storyline that they threaded into their promotions, no matter what town they were heading into. So it, 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 it worked at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then next uh, on this show, we had um, Jim Crockett Jr. came up and announced the very first uh, Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup uh, would would be taking place later in the year, uh, and then that that led to an interview with with Bob Johnson, the Executive Vice President of, Lu, of the, the, the Louisiana Superdome, um, and mm-hmm. they, they announced the very first Crockett Cup would be held in the Superdome. Um, looking back at that, uh, you know, and I know later on in the years we got the Crockett Cup finally back to Greensboro or, or in Greensboro, but Back in, in 85, 86, Greensboro, North Carolina, was definitely the Madison Square Garden of the Carolinas, uh, of Jim Crockett Promotions. I wonder why, back then, why they had the Crockett Cup in Louisiana and not in Greensboro or Charlotte. I, I, I've always well, I've always wondered that. I, I mean, Tony, you could look at this and you could dice this up any way you want to dice it up. I think this was Jim Crockett's way to really, really get into the deep south and to get closer towards Texas where world-class championship wrestling was as well and to try to somewhat take over that market. But, hey, that's a a great place to hold an event as well. The Superdome, New Orleans, tourist attraction back in the day and it still is today in you know, I think they were trying to do a couple of things as well and, and, and bring in another market into other territories because the territories were still really kind of really entrenched at that time, and you saw talent bleeding over as well from other territories. So it was interesting, but, hey, a great move for them because they were really portraying themselves to a, a much bigger audience. And look at this, we're having this event in this Superdome. Yeah, 
I agree. And and I, and I'm sure the uh, Superdome probably uh seated mo- way more people than the Greensboro or the Charlotte Coliseum. So uh, so I guess that 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 also uh you know took into effect especially since they were promoting it to have, you know, 50 teams from all around the world and and actually they did. I mean, they, you know, they they had guys and I if you fans if you go back and and listen to some of our previous podcasts, we kind of talked about the Crockett Cup. Um so uh, but definitely, uh, you know, that makes sense to me, but, um, but, but the Crockett cup was, was, you know, another quote, uh, big event or a pay-per-view that Crockett promotions could do. Cause at this time, uh, we only had the great American bash and we had, um, and we had Starcade, and now, you know, right. they're, they're giving us the superstars on the superstation, which to me was kind of the embryonic, uh, time uh of of a clash of the champions that we would that you know that uh we would get a couple of years later in 88 um but uh but uh, you know it was really cool for the fans that that maybe didn't always get a chance to you know go to a house show or go to a big event they got to see it live you know or not live but they got to see it on television which which you know which which was definitely cool um, and and they made it seem like a, a big event you know because i remember they had like the laser lights and Dusty and, right. and, and you know, D- Dusty had that nice you know orange robe made and with the with the funky hat and he had Baby Doll walking to the ring and then Rock and Roll had nice jackets for that show so it, it was definitely it was definitely cool and it, and it gave you the idea that this you know th- this is something big um, and now it takes us to our main event mm-hmm. um, it, it was scheduled for television time remaining uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair def- de- defending the title against Ron Garvin. Um, and, uh, and, and the cool thing about this one was it wasn't like your, your, your normal quote, dusty finish. Um, it wasn't where, you know, flair, you know, flair, flair got himself disqualified. Mm-hmm. They, flair actually scored a pin fall on Ron Garvin on television. Um, and it was, it was your, you know, your classic heel move flares fighting back in the corner. Uh, Ron's coming at him. Flair grabs the legs, trips him, puts a foot on the rope. One, two, three, and off to the races we go with that. With that feud, that that feud lasted a long time because Ron and uh, Ron Garvin and Ric Flair, um, you know, they they uh, feuded, you know, for a long time. And I remember going to the Greensboro Coliseum and watching them fight. And man, the the way they would hit each other and ch- it was like it's like they would have like chop contest and um, right and it, and right. and it was very brutal. And even in Ric Flair's book, he talks about how. You know, uh, uh, and during that time of of him and uh, Ron Garvin working each other, there was a lot of times that Flair actually had got a staff infection from being chopped so much by uh, by Ron Garvin. Oh no, absolutely no! I mean, and this was Garvin Flair at its at its best. I mean, you know, classic for television. Obviously, I believe if my if I can recollect collection, I obviously Flair cheated probably at the end or distracted the referee and Garvin was caught off guard. You, you know, but overall it was it was a classic Flair setup match. And but him and Garvin absolutely and I think, you know, the hands of stone they were also trying to big time get over at that time in the NWA for Ronnie Garvin and, and his persona in the ring. Um as well, and I'm sure, you know, Flair can make anyone look good in the ring, no matter who's stepping through the squared circle. You know, it's going to be a classic match from, you know, from top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, But one thing I do want to throw in, Tony, that we, 
that I wanted to throw in a couple of minutes ago, if you don't mind. Yes. When this was happening, you know, we were also, and this is my up north coming out. You're gonna, you're gonna kill me for this. I know you are. You know, this was also when, when the, when this particular event happened and leading into the, uh, the, the Superdome show with the Crockett Cup. It was also on the cups of WrestleMania two with the WWF. Right, exactly. As, as well, when they were when Vince McMahon was doing Long Island, New York, uh, the UIC Pavilion in Chicago, and then the Forum in LA. So as well, so I think at this particular time, the NWA was also trying, and Jim Crockett Promotions was how can we do something that's going to grasp attention from what also was happening, you know, up north. And there was something big happening coming off of WrestleMania 1 a year earlier and then into WrestleMania 2, you know, as well. So it was really an interesting time because there was a lot of still territorial action going on if you were really involved in the business. Yeah, and and interesting, Chris, that you just mentioned that because I was just looking online and this event, uh, Superstars on the Superstation, uh, it mm-hmm. was, it was, they, it actually took place on February the 2nd Correct. at the Omni, but it aired on WTBS on February the 7th, 1986 and WrestleMania two actually took place on April the 7th, 1986. Funny. Correct. Just two yeah. months later. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, exactly you know two months to the day you know they're having that so i think you're right in this i think jim crockett was trying to put out a big show uh prior to uh wrestlemania to try to draw the people over you know to to them um but 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 at the same time i don't think at this point in time jim crockett was really noticing much about the wwf at the time uh i i think that that didn't start to probably 87 Whenever they um, and and I think what started the whole deal was the fact that you know uh, the NWA was going to do um, their um, Starcade '87 uh, Chi-Town Heat from Chicago, which, like you just said, touched on uh, that was WWF territory. Uh, now Crockett have, has came into their territory, and then Vince right. McMahon put a block on the cable companies and said, "Hey, you know, if you air this." you're not going to get WrestleMania and they knew WrestleMania was a big deal. So, uh, I think that's pretty much when the, the North, if you can say it like this, the North versus the South feud, uh, no, no pun intended started between, uh, world wrestling federation and Jim Crockett promotions. Now, mm-hmm. if, if you, if, if you go back and break, break that, that those, those two companies down, uh, Jim Crockett promotions had the better, the, the better wrestlers, the better stars, okay? But where they lacked, Vince McMahon had the global, even though they had Superstation TBS, Vince McMahon had the USA Network, but he also had right. Hulk Hogan on MTV. And, of course, a lot, a lot of you young kids today don't know much about it, but Chris let them know that back in the 80s, MTV was a huge deal. It was kind of like Facebook now, right, or, or TikTok well, or all these apps that kids are using. Uh, yeah, you know, MTV absolutely. was his thing. Absolutely, Vince McMahon leaned on MTV Music Television. Uh, he leaned on Cindy Lauper, which was huge for WrestleMania. 
for them. Cindy Lauper was huge in the mid-'80s on the music scene. She was involved in WrestleMania. You had Mr. T coming off of Rocky Three, and everything else going on with him. And then Vince just kept that ball rolling. And, yeah, it was always the rock and wrestling connection was his promotion back in the mid, even if it's somewhat even not the late 80s that rode it as far as he could. Um, again, at the end of the day, it's, uh, y- you know, it was really a concept that was new to not only wrestling, but also to the music business as well. Yeah, and, and also back then the uh, WWF were more mainstream um, mm-hmm. than the NWA. Uh, Crockett, Crockett Promotions was definitely a Carolina territory, a Carolina company. Um, and uh, even though they had access to, to the, to at the time, the biggest um, cable channel on TV, Superstation TBS, because they, they had the Braves baseball games on there. Um, you know, they, they, they had some really good shows, but the Superstation TBS was worldwide. Right. And uh, and Vincent Man, I mean, he, he had the USA Network, but but what, but what, where he had the advantage was he was doing more mainstream stuff. He was doing more Correct. more commercialized stuff with the toys and the cartoons, and and so he so he was touching baseball cards and all this. Yes, stuff. yes. So Vince was his, his product was touching more people, even though his product wasn't as good as the as as the Crockett promotions and and the wrestlers for Jim Crockett and and I've I've heard a lot of guys say this I've heard Rick Flair say this I've heard Ricky Morton say this I've heard a lot but if 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 the if Jim Crockett promotions had had the person who was working for for Vince McMahon to get them mainstream WWE they they wouldn't even exist today because I, I- you know, they, 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 they just had way better talent, you know? Right. But, and I'm, I'm going to say this. They were definitely going after two different audiences. Vince McMahon was going after a certain audience, and Jim Crockett Promotions had his niche audience and was expanding it. But no matter what, and I'll say this, and Dusty Rhodes was the middle-class working wrestler in the ring. And he related to a whole lot of people here in the South and the Mid-Atlantic and into Texas and, and the Midwest. And that was his gig and it worked. But Ric Flair, like him or not, like him or not, you knew when Ric Flair walked to the ring in any big event where he was taking on a formidable opponent, you know he was in a war every single night, whether he was defending the title, trying to gain the title, wherever he was in his career as 16-time world champion, he was a working man in the ring as well. Even if people don't want to admit it, it's really true where Hogan was more the charismatic, playing to the bigger crowds, but that was the difference between the two promotions, but they were still hitting the same fan that was interested in, in at the bottom line, which was pro wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was, you know, a super, um, a super great time to, to be a wrestling fan. Um, it was back, back in those choices. days, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you, you had, you definitely had a lot to choose from. Um, and it, and it was on fire. I mean, it really was. I was so, you know, I, I loved, 
I mean, you know, I, I know, I know, I've said this on many of my podcasts in the past, but as a as a 10, 11, 12 year old kid, man, I lived for Saturdays because that's the only day back then that wrestling came on television. And and Chris, I was uh, me and a lady at work today were talking about how you know uh, she was saying I, I wish I wish that we could invent something uh, to make a lot of money. And I said, well, here's the thing. I said I'm so mad because when I was a kid. There was there was things that I that I dreamed up, and I said, "Man, one day this is going to happen," but I didn't know how to I, I didn't know how to put it together. But I remember, and when I was a kid, and and I, like I said, I lived to watch wrestling on Saturdays. I said, "Man, wouldn't it be cool if there was a channel on television that you could just turn on and watch wrestling twenty four hours a day, seven days a week? You could watch everything." and and I remember telling it to my dad, and my dad goes, well, that'll never happen because nobody's going to want to watch wrestling that much. And now today, you know, 30 years later, we've got the WWE Network where you can watch everything on TV. You can know, watch every wrestling match ever. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, I, and and then I also remember uh, thinking, wouldn't it be cool if you had a telephone that, that you could just uh, take anywhere you want to go? And Because and, and, I remember like when I was a little teenager, you know, talking to all the girls and I would, uh, I'd have my phone and, and, and the long cord and sometimes the cord would come out of the wall. I'm trying to go to the bathroom while I'm on the phone or whatever. And I said, man, uh, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be cool if we had a phone that you could just take anywhere you want to go? And now we have that. It's, it's just crazy. So you, you were, you were, you were, you were, think, you were forethinking, thinking ahead. Man, I, I had, I, I had the dreams. I just didn't know how to put the dreams together. It, 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 who knows? There it is. You know, instead of, instead of Bill Gates, it could have been Tony Bench. Who knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, hey, but I'll tell you this. I mean, this has been great. To, we flash back to February '86. What a, what a great time for professional wrestling. You know, they were coming off of cable television and closed circuit television markets and things that they were experimenting with. This is even pre-pay-per-view kind of stuff that people see today and streaming and everything. And, hey, they were expanding as technology was expanding and wrestling survived. And look at them where they are today. They're still surviving. Even the pandemic we're in, it's just going to keep going and going and going. And who knows where it goes from here. But a great time to be a wrestling fan if you were uh, in the mid to late 80s. Yeah, definitely for sure. Well, fans, in the next on next week's show, uh, we're going to kind of take a little uh, a breather, as you so a, a powder, as as we say in the wrestling business, take a powder, which means roll out, roll out. So next week's uh, podcast, Chris and I are going to maybe break down a couple of uh, of of rock and roll albums that 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 he and I enjoyed. Uh, maybe a couple albums that, that, that we think were, were great albums or just good albums or, you know, but I think just next week we'll, we'll take a little break from pro wrestling and, 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 and take the podcast back to some of the stuff that Chris and I know, uh, just as probably about as much about as we do wrestling. Uh, well, to be honest, Chris and I don't know. I mean, me, I speak for myself. I don't really know anything. I'm just telling you my experiences, but, but, uh, but, but not all seriously. Uh, next week, I think, uh, and st- like I said, we'll take a break from wrestling and break down uh, a couple of albums. Maybe uh, you know, Chris, you 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 pick a couple albums, and I'll pick a couple, and we'll break them down and and uh, you know tell the history behind them. And maybe uh, who knows? Maybe next week, Chris and I'll be able to say, "Hey, we're going to see Motley Crue, Poison, Def Leppard, and uh, Joan Jett." But um, not gonna hold. Yeah, on. we could break down some albums. I mean, uh, I, I already got a couple of popping in my head from 
gosh, from early 80s going back to my cassette days. Yeah. <laughs> Tony here. Yeah. I'm thinking Jay Giles Band. I'm thinking Journey Escape. Oh. Uh, you got me. Uh, let, let me just keep the wheels going, and I can yeah. give you my couple for next week. Yeah, How's that sound? yeah, that sounds good. And 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 so <laughs> so so fans, make sure you, you tune in for that. Also, make sure that you go like us on our Facebook page, like I said earlier, and uh, and uh, download our episodes on YouTube, uh, and also wherever you get your favorite podcast platforms. Because the Binge Buster Show is just like World Championship Wrestling superstars on Superstation. They were worldwide, and so was the Binge Buster Show. So, uh, so make sure that, that you go check us out and, uh, like our page. And also if, uh, when, when you do go like our Facebook page, uh, let us know what you think about the show. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, uh, because we definitely want to, um, you know, please our listeners and, and give you the content that, that you want to hear. Um, and like I said, I'm still working on getting a, a couple of, of big, big names on the show with, uh, with Chris and I. Uh, hopefully as, as this, um, as, as the COVID-19 fades away, we, we get back to normal, our normal life again. And, uh, some of these people will, uh, you know, be, be ready to come on the show. And, and I still have this, this really big rock star that, that I'm working on getting on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about that too. So anyway, fans, make sure you tune in and uh, check us out and we will see you next week on the binge buster show. Thank you for listening to The Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.